I'm Tom Kerr. Statistics show the longer injured employees are out of work, the more difficult it is for them to return. But what happens if employees aren't physically able to return to full duty right away? What can be done to help them stay engaged in work and their recovery, especially if there are no light duty options available in the workplace? Well, today, Paul Bodie joins us to explain a creative program designed to help injured employees engage in purposeful activity during their recovery. It's called Alternative Transitional Duty. And Paul, thanks for joining us today to talk about it. Glad to be here, Tom. Paul, let's start with the basics. What is light duty and how does it help the injured or disabled employee? Well, light duty is a job that the injured worker has to do that has less physical demands than the job they regularly had. Another term you'll hear is modified duty, where the physical demands are modified on a temporary basis to get the employee back in recovering and then eventually go back to what we call full duty or a full release to return to work. And what types of challenges do employers have in developing transitional duty opportunities? That's a great question, Tom, and it's, it's been a barrier for some employees to get into using alternative uh, transitional duty type programs. And basically, many employers will tell you, well, we don't have light duty. We are heavy manufacturing type business. We don't have light duty. So for them to pull an employee off an assembly line and recreate a job for them takes a lot of time and energy that, frankly, they may not have. So the alternative transitional duty program is a great way to combat that because it would be disrupting to their workforce and to their process if they had to pull somebody out and create a very different job for them with less physical demands. Great. So how does alternative transitional duty work? Well, generally speaking, it's going to be employers that are very keen on return to work programs and doing what they can to get their injured employees back on the job as soon as they can. If the injured worker has been released to some type of work, but there are physical demand restrictions on that employee, then the employer will consider, can I bring them back? Do I have a job that works within these responsibilities? If they don't, then they will consider the alternative transitional duty, which is where we place them with a nonprofit organization as a volunteer. Even though they're being paid wages, they're considered a volunteer. It keeps them in the mindset of a routine, getting up, getting ready, and, and going to the job. It helps keep that work conditioning going. You know, there's any number of benefits to, to that. What type of organizations have you worked with in using this program? Well, another great question, and this, this really has a broad benefit that can help a, any number of types of businesses. One of our new customers is a one central location manufacturer. Everyone lives within the same community. You find one or two good nonprofits, it works very well. However, one of our other big clients is a transportation company, and they have truckers going all over the United States. So we're apt to get a case in a remote area of the country. So a lot of different business. We also do work with two big carriers. So we don't ever know what kind of employer that, that they're going to be associated with the cases that they refer to us. So it has very much a broad appeal uh, across a lot of different types and sizes of business. What are some of the nonprofits you work with to make this program available to employees? 
I think there'll be the the names you would expect to hear, Salvation Army, Goodwill, those type of nationally recognized programs. We do have a national network. However, because these aren't big volume numbers of jobs we're placing, so it's not uncommon for us not to go back to the same nonprofit. So how do you initiate the ATD program when managing a case? How do you introduce it to the various parties? Sure. Well, that's that's a great question because we have a very defined workflow that takes us through this process. And time is of the essence because every minute, every day, every week that the injured worker remains off work, we're risking uh, a successful return to work. So we have some very defined time frames that we want to do this within. We get the case and, and the thing we ask to come with every case is that a minimum name and phone number of the injured worker and their restrictions. We can take it from there and and find any additional information we need, but the restrictions are key. Then we send out a notification to the injured worker explaining the program or to their legal representative explaining that they're entered into this program and here's what's going to happen. And then we begin to uh, take those restrictions and make calls to nonprofits in the area. If they're driving 30 minutes now, we can't ask them to drive an hour to go to a nonprofit. So uh, we try to make that reasonable accommodation there. But basically, we identify the job with a nonprofit. We then have a professional vocational counselor look at that and make sure that those restrictions match up with the job. And then we make the job offer. We send out a written job offer via overnight mail to the injured worker. We ask them to sign it, send it back. We get signed off from the nonprofit. Then we follow up after the first week with both the injured worker and the nonprofit to make sure everything went well the first week. And then we go on from there. And as long as they have restrictions, they can stay in this job. However, this is meant to be transitional or temporary. So if we're approaching 120, 180 days and we're still in this program, there may be something else to look at in the uh, medical aspect of the injury that may be complicated because if they're not back in a job by then, there may be something else to be considered there. So for the employee hearing about this program for the first time, he might be thinking, why am I going to this nonprofit organization to help me get back to work? This has nothing to do with my job. What's in it for me? Are they just sending me off to work? So with that in mind, how do you get the employee buy-in to try the ATD program? Well, it, that's a good question. And of course, it's met with resistance sometimes, as you might imagine. We do explain the benefits to the injured worker, both in writing and you know telephone calls, as to why it would be important for them to stay in the routine of going back to work. We can share a few high-level statistics with them that show the longer you're off work, the chances of you going back diminish, even though ever so slightly. So we sell it that way, but many times the injured worker is still going to be resistant. And in that case, we give the information to the employer and they decide what tack to take with it from there. There could be an issue of noncompliance with their return to work program. And that may be a tool or a point of leverage they can use to work with the injured worker to you know, compel them to do something like this. But that is something that's between the employer and their injured worker. We simply provide the information and then they make the decision from there. What type of responses have you had from employees who've been through the program? Have you seen the results that you're looking for in terms of helping them get back to work? 
Did they also see the benefits such as helping their community? Yes, uh, I think we've had very positive results, both from a just a morale and outlook issue, as well as the results that we're seeing on getting people back to work quicker and the overall return to work days diminish. Interestingly enough, Tom, we have a number of injured workers that get awfully attached to these nonprofit jobs, so they can like it very well. That's great. And how have employers and payers responded to the program, Paul? We, we have gotten a lot of interest in this program, Tom. And when we get in front of the clients, they're all very eager to learn about this because it is a, another tool in the tool belt of the return to work program. It doesn't work for everybody, but anything that we can do to get them back in that functioning routine is always going to yield better results for everyone. I believe without any question that it's best for all concerned, but absolutely, you know, the injured worker doesn't always see it that way. Right. Right. They're like, I've been injured on the job. I need to stay home and rest and relax and whatever, but that's really not what's best for you. And it's hard to see that, right? You're hurting from the injury. You don't know what the future holds. Now they're telling you, you got to go do this other job that you really don't want to do. So it's a lot to take in. It really is. But in the end, whether they see it or not, it's absolutely a win-win. One of the questions, uh, too, sometimes we get, how does the injured worker get compensated during Mm -hmm. this time? And it can be done a combination of ways. The employer, and sometimes, will just pay payroll. They, They won't have the work comp carrier pay at all. Some will. The work comp carrier will pay the two-thirds of the average weekly wage, and then the employer will make up the difference. But in all of our situations, they're paid 100% of their salary while they're doing this. By the employer? By some combination of either the employer and or the payer. The reason you want to pay them is because they're in some type of constructive environment that will promote the earliest possible return to work, and you're going to get them back sooner than you would have if you hadn't done this. Sounds like a great program that benefits the employee, the employer, and the community. Thanks for your time today, Paul. And we'll be back with another Inside Workers Comp soon. But until then, thanks for listening.